Welcome to another episode of the No Feeding Tube Show. I'm your host, Yvonne McLaren, and I'm here to help you live your best food life following or during head and neck cancer treatment. And what do I know? Well, in late 2018, I was diagnosed with oropharyngeal cancer, and I went on to have a third of my tongue removed, both tonsils, the tumour, 30 lymph nodes and 30 chemo radiotherapy sessions. I also had a peg tube feed for 15 months and ate nothing orally in that time. So thanks for listening. This is a lived experience and one that I think is better shared. So grab your favourite beverage or your walking shoes and let's get started. Hello, welcome to episode 20 of the No Feeding Tubes show. I'm your host, Yvonne McLaren. And today's episode has been inspired by someone who reached out to me and asked me a question that had I had never considered in terms of I'd never actually thought that this might be a thing for people. And that is having access to the food that I eat here and show you how to make uh, from my home here in Australia. And it got me thinking, and I went on a really long walk yesterday and I was thinking about it and that's what I want to talk about today is what you do no matter where you live and how you interpret the, the methodologies that I give you and how you can make that work in your local area. So if if you've not um, subscribed or got some of my free resources from either my YouTube channel or my Instagram or my Facebook account, please do that because there's a whole heap of resources there that you can have a look at and start to put together your particular food journey. But today, um, I want to talk about the methodologies that I suggest that you use based on my experience, my lived experience with head and neck cancer treatment and how you can apply those to where you currently live. Now, if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcast or Buzzsprout or your favourite Google channel, you won't be able to see some of the things that I'm going to do, but I've actually gone and grabbed my all-time favourite book from my college days, my culinary college days, and I really wish I'd had a card copy, but I don't. I have the soft copy version, but I'm just going to use it as a bit of a show and tell in terms of the types of food that you can consider using if you don't have access to what I have here in Australia. And let's be honest, if you're in Australia, we're pretty lucky with our food. We're such a multicultural society, or particularly here in my hometown in Adelaide, that we have access to most food things, products, um, be it um, from any corner of the world. We're really lucky. We've got an excellent Adelaide Central Market that has all number of food products in it. So what do you do? if you don't have access to the food products that I am using in some of these methodologies that I talk to you about in these episodes. Uh, The first thing I would draw you to is, if you haven't looked on my website, go and have a look there because there are some free resources there and recipes 
that are not over the top, they're just some of the basics. And some of the things that I'm going to talk about today are the sorts of food products that you can use uh, instead of the products that I list on my website, for example. But I would draw your attention to the four transitional S's, as I call them, and they are your stock, your soups, your sauces, and your smoothies. Now, I'm just going to talk about those four things today, otherwise we'll be here for a month and Sundays talking about all the types of culinary dishes that you can make and what you can um, swap in based on where you're living in the world. So if we start with stock, I'm always talking about making stock, making chicken stock, vegetable stock, meat stock, fish stock. Uh, you know, I, I tend to alternate between chicken stock and vegetable stock mostly. If I'm been cooking and it's generally summer, I tend to go fish stock a bit more often because I eat more fish or shellfish, particularly in summer in Australia here. Um, and this particular lady comes from Portugal and I just, um, and you probably, if you're listening to this, you know who you are and thank you because I thought it was such a great question and I, I thought about it on my entire hike over the weekend. And if you're living in one of those countries and you've got to make stock, you know, most people have access to bones uh, if that's the way that you want to go. Otherwise, you just have access to vegetables and onions and celery and carrots and your base, whatever root vegetables you have in your country. Most people have onions, potatoes, cabbage maybe um there's <laughs> a bit of a thing here in australia at the moment about the price of lettuce it's um dearer than a liter of petrol at the moment here so everyone's <laughs> swapping out lettuce for cabbage um but that's what i mean you know just you don't have to be wedded to the sort of ingredients that i use and i have access here in australia swap it out with whatever you've got available in your local market uh, and if you don't know what that looks like, then you're going to have to do a bit of research, which is why I have my beautiful book here. And this book, and if you're listening, I'm sorry, it's a, it's a quite a heavy book and it's called The Book of Ingredients. And it has, um, I'm showing everybody, it has these amazing colour plates in it. And the reason I like this book so much is that there are things in this book that we literally don't have access to or don't have access readily to here in Australia. And that might be something like a goat's head. I know that's an extreme example, but in some countries, in some of the Middle Eastern countries, eating goat's head, sheep's head, that sort of thing is probably normal fare for daily, weekly, monthly eating. Um, I know we can access that here in Australia and I, I believe some of our um, Greek communities probably do that at special times of the year. But from a general day-to-day -day eating, I wouldn't be eating that um, in my diet because I don't have access to it and I don't have, I don't have the need to cook that volume of food either. So I'll bring you back to those four S's, your soups, your stocks, 
your sauces and your smoothies. You have to find things in your local market that you can swap out with what I use. I know everyone doesn't have access to avocados, for example. You may not have access to tofu because you don't have a either a good Asian market or you don't know how to make it or, more importantly, you don't want to make it, which I completely understand. But, you know, for example, I'm looking at the grains page on this in this beautiful book of ingredients. Now, I do find grains a bit difficult to eat, but I can eat rice. And I know some of you out there can't eat rice. But look at this. The sort of rice that's here, we've got brown rice. I can't eat it, but you may be able to. Pudding rice. Long grain rice, Italian rice, which is also known as uh, aborio, converted rice, um, black glutinous rice, white glutinous rice. You know, that's just six rices there that some of them I'll be able to eat, some of them I won't be able to eat. I know I really struggle with brown rice and I love it because it's nutty. Um, you know, there are, there's basmati rice, there's barley I eat a bit of porridge in winter, oats, rolled oats. Um, and, you know, you may not have access to that, but you can get buckwheat, you can get rye, you can get millet. Um, the other really good thing to do is go to health shops. Health shops have an enormous... I don't know what they're like where you are, but uh, in my hometown here, we have health shops that have massive bins, and I mean big bins, containers with lids on them, and you literally scoop out whatever grain or rice or mix you want, and they weigh it up, pop it in a brown paper bag, and off you go. Um, so that's what I mean. If you don't necessarily have access to the food that I use, then you'd have to learn to swap it out. Another really good one is um, I struggle with pasta, but egg noodles. You can get fresh egg noodles, you can get dried noodles, you can get wide ones, fat ones, long ones, thin ones. And as my journey goes on, I know that not only is it the flavour, but it's the texture, the width, the length, the depth, the density of certain things will dictate how easy or not it is for me to eat that particular food product. So if you're struggling with making stocks, and you know that I always talk about making stocks and suggesting to make stocks because that is how you base layer things, that's where you get your flavour from. Uh, and I know in the early days we're also bloody tired that you don't want to be mucking around making stocks, but... If you make stock and do what I do, I drink it as soup. I just add a, I beat an egg into a hot mug of soup or stock and bingo. I've got a beautiful, highly nutritious, with added protein, snack, drink, lunch, um, is as easy as that. So depending on where you're living and to my friend in uh, Portugal, you know, I'd be looking at fish markets. I'd be looking at making fish stock. Um, you'd have rice there. You'd have eggs there. You'd have some sort of green there uh, that you could swap out different food. Um, soups, same thing. 
if you make your base from whatever you've got available and you may be living in a place where you have access to beef bones, veal bones, shin bones, uh, you can roast them off to darken the colour of the actual final product of stock. That's getting a bit more intricate and I'd have to show you how to do that if you don't know how to do that. But if you've got ready access to meat bones and that's what you want to drink uh, or consume in your soup and your stock, then make use meat bones. If you are somewhere where you don't have ready access or you choose not to eat meat uh, or you just want a vegetable stock, then add whatever vegetable you can get your hands on in that stock or that soup. You know, my mother always taught me to add lots and lots of brown onion to stocks and soups to give it flavour. Most places have onions. So if you've only got the basics, the onions, the celery and the carrots, then then do that and use that. Um, I just add garlic and ginger into mine because that's my personal preference and that's what I like. The same with smoothies. Uh, you don't have to add in what I add in or what I was adding in when I was living on smoothies and I was adding things like, um, we call it peanut pasty but you call it peanut butter in the States, any kind of nut butter. You can make your own nut butter if you want to. It depends how in-depth you want to get but if you don't have access to fresh nuts or you don't or you can't tolerate nuts in anything, then don't use them. Try something else that's going to give you um, the creaminess and the calories and the good fat and the the oils and the, the trace elements that are in those things. In the Mind Food Body Method and Programs, of which there are three versions that you can choose from, I talk you through this. At the early part of the program, I talk to you about working out where you are on your pathway and I talk to you about nutrition and how you use basic nutrition, understanding of nutrition to manipulate your food no matter where you are on the planet and how you incorporate the most nutritious uh, food products into your meal planning and food preparation. I also talk to you about hitting your your target dietitian marks. If your speech pathologist or your dietitian or both are giving you quite specific advice around your diet and the sort of um, nutrients that you need to be hitting, I talk you through how you can manipulate your food and what sort of foods you can be eating uh, through your basic understanding of nutrition and how to manipulate that food into a texture, volume or meal that you, according to what you can or can't swallow, can tolerate. So today I'm just really addressing um, what I thought was a brilliant point about I can't access the food that you've got, Yvonne, so what do I do where I live, whether that's in Florida, whether that's in New York, whether that's in Spain or Italy or the Antarctic or Canada or the UK, wherever you are, you will have access to foods that can be easily swapped in to what 
I'm using. Uh, so the first thing is understand what nutrition is, understand what foods have those nutritional factors that you need to be eating, work out what locally you can access and prepare that will make up the nutritional requirements that you need to be having and focus on the method that I teach. Don't just focus on the food that I eat but focus on the methodology that uh, I'm trying to impart for you and the methodology is use these four transitional S's that is stock soup sauce and smoothie to get you slowly eating more textured food now the methodology is in the S's what happens with the type of food you use to make those four S's really I can't say to you what that's going to be because I don't know what uh, season you're in necessarily depending on when you're watching this and this is the middle of winter 2022 in Australia here uh, I've just had friends who've gone back to Switzerland and they said it's stinking hot there I don't know what they've got at their local market should they have been following this methodology so that's why I say it's important to understand what you're trying to do with your nutrition Understand what your dietitian and speech language pathologists are asking you to do from a food perspective and use the methodologies that I'm suggesting and what I did to transition or to increase your food texture based on the regional cuisine as to where you live and based on your understanding of how to cook and prepare food. And if you're not that great at it, then I would suggest there's two things you need to do bolster up your skills around knowledge on nutrition and dietetics, dietetics, is that a word? Um, And brush up on your cooking skills. You know, this this is going to be a different journey for you. And if you don't know or have those basics, then it's going to be even, you know, shittier for you, really. Um, So focus on the method. Interpret the methods that I tell you to suit your cuisine and your local regional cuisine and what you can buy from your local market. Um, if you're in Australia, don't be buying lettuce at the moment. I can't eat lettuce anyway. Um, I have real trouble with salad vegetables, but um, you know there are so many things that you can do to change, uh, change up the food items that I use and that may not be available to you. So I'm going to wrap that up today. I just wanted to address that because I thought that was such a a great point to make and it just didn't occur to me that you would be literally trying to copy what I'm eating because that's not likely to be possible um, even where you you live. So in signing off, um, if you haven't already had a look at my social eating checklist, I'll put a link below here underneath the show notes in both the podcast and YouTube and I've also for those that don't know and aren't on my um, email subscription list I have just launched a new social eating food guide it's an ebook that I've just finished creating and that's available for purchase 
on my uh, website and it's also available for purchase on links if you are subscribed to my uh, newsletters. So eat well, everybody. Um, As always, please drop me a line. And if you're having problems with finding certain food products, email me. I'll see what I can do to help you. Uh, But it's really important, particularly if, like me, you want to go travelling and what are you going to eat when you're away. So um, let me know if you're having difficulty or you've got a question that you want answered or... Like my friend did in Portugal, she reached out and I thought, what a brilliant question, hadn't even occurred to me. All right, everybody, uh, until we speak again, and um, that's for today's episode, episode 20. What do I do if I don't have that food that you're eating and making? Hope you've got some answers. Talk to you soon. Bye.